What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Sony Open. And before we jump into that, I do want to look back at the Century Tournament of Champions here for just a second. I want to shout out a couple of winners, wrap up some housekeeping stuff, but then also I actually do want to look back at the results. I think there is a lot to learn, something that I want to start to incorporate into this show on a more regular basis. So first of all, I, you know, I love it and I forgot in four weeks that on Sunday evening... I I get a lot of uh, tweets or emails or messages in Slack um, just about the successes. And you know, there's more than I can uh, call out here, but I just usually like to pick out a couple of them because, listen, it's hard to win in DFS. It's hard to win a bet if you do it and you get a little shout out on a show and it makes you happy for a minute or two. It's worth the shout out. So uh, a couple of things here. So Mark McClellan turned his $3 into $2, $250, which that's the stuff I love, right? The R the big ROI from small buy-in similar for Sean H who turned his $5 into $350. M Doodles, big shout out to him. He finished second in the $12 single entry, which again, I love to shout out these you know, single entries, smaller buy-ins, things that are available for everyone uh, into 1500 Finished second there. Good job, M Doodles. Uh, Clark Ainsley won 5K on the week, $5,000. Congratulations to Clark. And then I got an email from Larry, which I love. He said this is the first week using the rickrungood.com tools. And he said, and I quote, paid for themselves 10 times over. Love to hear that. Finished third and 14th in the Pat Mayo Open, which was probably like, uh, I don't know, thousand bucks or so, something like that. So great job to Larry. Um, if you would like to be a part of this Rick Run Good community, use these tools. I will uh, continue to give away a free month each week here on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. So two ways to enter this draw. Uh, if you're here on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. That's easy. Like the video and comment below with who's going to win the Sony Open. If you'd like an additional entry, go to the podcast version of this show. It's called 300 Yards to Unknown. Leave a five-star rating and review. Say something nice about the show and leave me your Twitter handle so I can get in touch with you. Winners from last week were Bruce Fockin, and I got to be careful when I say that, and Bisco McGee. I've already reached out to both of you. I'll get you set up with your free month to rickrungood.com, and uh, you can enter a draw as well. Okay, I think that's it for the housekeeping stuff. I want to look back at the live leaderboard from last week because there's interesting things and interesting takeaways that I think we can consider for not only this week, but for the rest of the year. All right, this is the live leaderboard on rickrungood.com. It is a free tool. It shows you in real time, updates every 15 minutes throughout the tournament, uh, you know, DraftKings salary, points, strokes gained by round. You can sort, you can filter, you can choose any any type of rounds. This is a free tool. Uh, I, it shouldn't be. I should be charging for this. Everyone tells me I should be charging for this. Uh, I made it. At the time, it was the only tool like this. Uh, I believe it is still the only free tool like this. Uh, I, I love it. I'm a sucker for the community, so it's going to continue to be free. I don't know. I guess until I change my mind at some point, but I, I absolutely love this. And there's a couple of interesting takeaways here because the the leaderboard on 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 the PGA Tour and on DraftKings are different. So what I like to do is sort by fantasy points here. And if you look at the finishing position, you're going to notice a couple of things. For example, Michael Thompson. Michael Thompson finished 21st in a tie for 21st in 
the Century Tournament of Champions, but he was the 15th highest, or actually I guess tied for 14th highest scoring DraftKings player. And the reason for that is right here, 21 birdies, two eagles. Now he made more bogeys than everybody else, but the two eagles go a long way. To put this into perspective, the other two golfers who finished uh, in a tie for 21st with Michael Thompson, Patrick Reed scored one and a half less points than him, and Adam Scott scored six and a half less points than Michael Thompson. So again, just trying to to hammer home the difference between fantasy scoring and finishing position in the actual golf tournament. So you can sort by, you know, any combination of this. I mean, for example, Ryan Palmer, he finished uh, fourth. He didn't make the playoff. He scored more points than Joaquin Neiman did, thanks to three eagles. Think about that stuff. Joaquin Neiman made a bunch of birdies, didn't make a single eagle all week. Uh, additionally, what I love about this is you can really, you can slice up any rounds that you want. So usually on Monday mornings, I'll come in or Sunday evenings and I will, um, look at the guys who played well over the last two rounds, over the last three rounds and see if there's any momentum that we can carry. And one of the big ones that stood out and I actually tweeted this out was, was Sebastian Munoz. So I'm just going to sort this by the final three rounds and you can see Munoz was two over par at the tournament of champions through round number one. That means he shot a 75. Well, instead of packing it in, instead of saying I'm on vacation, I'm in Maui. This is, let's go drink some Mai Tais. He goes out and finishes uh, with a with rounds of seven under, six under, and five under, his aggregate three round total was from from rounds two, three, and four was second best in the field. Only Joaquin Neiman was better. Joaquin Neiman went to a playoff. Playoffs. That's right. He went to a playoff. So like I I, I love looking at this. Munoz played himself out of it in one round, played great the rest of the week. That's someone that I would look forward into for this week. And we can continue to do that for uh, the final two rounds. You know, you can look at this and say, okay, well, Munoz is in there as well. Abraham Anser, who finished uh, T17 on the week, he was the sixth best player, or I guess actually, my apologies, a tie for the third best aggregate score over the final two rounds, including that seven under 60, what would that be? 66 on a par 73 uh, on, on Sunday. So this is how I like to look at it. And you can really go through and see, you know, which guys played well from T to green. Sung J.M., led the field in strokes gained tee to green last week. He lost 3.2 strokes putting. That's probably not going to happen again for young Sung Jay. You can see guys that really struggled off the tee. Webb Simpson, we'll talk a lot about him this week at the Sony Open, losing six and a half strokes off the tee. Will that happen again? I'd argue no. So we'll talk a lot about those guys, but this is such a fun, easy tool. Uh, It's free. You can't beat it. I use it constantly throughout the week, but I also like to use it Sunday evenings and Monday mornings to go back and look at some of this cool stuff and see if there's anything that we can glean for the following week. All right, let's jump into the key stats for this week. Why lie country club? Before I forget, um, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time here on the Rick Good YouTube channel, we'll do the Sony Open live chat, which means questions, answers, um, updated uh ownership projections. We'll look at any weather, see if that pops up. Things change fairly quickly in Hawaii. Last year was kind of wet and soggy. 11 under par got you into a playoff. So things can certainly be un-Hawaii-like when we get there in terms of of weather. So we'll keep an eye on that. Join me uh, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And then Wednesday evening, 8.15 Eastern time. That's the jock market power hour. And it was a phenomenal first show Last week, stoked to get back at it again. You'll want to join us for that. Why lie? Fun fact, 
this is the place I saw my first ever uh, live event, live PGA Tour event. Uh, it was years ago. And I remember this is when I realized how good golfers were. Spencer Levine. Yeah, think about that. Spencer Levine hit a shot out of a fairway bunker that I could only imagine. It sounded like a shotgun went off. I'd never seen a ball trajectory like that. Uh, and he was like the 200th ranked player in the world at the time. <laughs> you know, he stunk by all by all accounts on the PGA Tour, but uh, still goes to show. Par 70, 7,044 yards. You, if you're trying to compare Wiley to the plantation course at Kapalua, it is all contrasts, okay? There's little to compare because you have uh, Wiley, which is incredibly flat, narrow fairways. Now, you can argue that the rough is not very thick. I'd agree with that, but you obviously would prefer to be in the fairway. It's 7,000 yards. It's a par 70, so it's loaded up with the par fours. Uh, Kapalua has got all the all the elevation change, all the undulation. This thing's flat as can be. It's one of the easier walks on the PGA Tour. Just go out there, uh, knock it around, try to hit fairways, and make as many birdies as you can. Uh, still on Bermuda. This is a Seth Rayner uh, design, and the most important stats in the correlation model are going to look a bit different. You know, we see that driving distance, strokes gained off the tee, they continue to be important, but not as important as we've seen. In fact, there is not a single of the common stats that ranks inside the top 10 for courses on the PGA Tour. And you'll notice how close to driving or how close to the top driving accuracy is. Uh, It's the third most important, most common stat. It's 17th, which makes it in about the the top third of all PGA Tour courses is where driving accuracy ranks in terms of importance. Uh, And we usually don't see it even that high or at least that close to driving distance. So right off the bat, I can see that three different driving stats, distance off the tee and driving accuracy are the three most important stats. And then you get into approach and things like that, putting uh, and, and strokes gain around the green, obviously kind of bringing up the rear. So you look at this, what type of golfer should find success? Last week, we talked a lot about bombers. We talked a lot about Bryson and DJ and Rom and all these guys that can hit it a long way. Kind of the complete opposite here. You're going to hear a lot of names like Webb Simpson, maybe Kevin Kisner, Abraham Answer. We're going to talk about all of these guys. But if you want to look at the most accurate drivers of the golf ball in this field, Mike Weir's here. Uh, Mike Weir hits has hit 82% of his, his fairways. I don't know how many rounds that is. I'd have to look. It's not many. Uh, he's 6,100. I'm not playing Mike Weir. He's also by far the shortest player in the field, I would imagine. Uh, Matt Kuchar, Webb Simpson, Russell Henley, James Hahn. James Hahn's is pretty interesting. That's a name we'll probably talk about a bit later uh, in the show as well. Those are your accurate drivers of the golf ball. And then if you just want to look at strokes gained approach, um, you've got Nelson Ledesma leading the way again. I think that's like two rounds on him, maybe four. Not too worried about that. You can you can throw him out the window. Uh, but Russell Henley, Jim Furyk, Doug Gim, Emiliano Grillo, those are some of the better ball strikers on the PGA Tour. And if we turn our attention to the cheat sheet and start working in some pricing here and everything you see from rickrungood.com, now three views on the cheat sheet. And it takes me a little bit longer to update this every week. So I try to have everything up, you know, within an hour of salaries uh, becoming live. I think I hit that today. Uh, it, it'll 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 get faster, right? I'm still learning the new processes. Uh, but anyway, here we go. We've got six golfers over ten thousand dollars, led by Webb Simpson at eleven thousand one hundred. He is completely deserved of this 
of this price. He is the favorite. He's going to be the guy that, you know, when I do all my content and on Golf Digest and on, you know, CBS Sports and it's like pick to win, like it's probably just going to be Webb Simpson. And let me show you something about Webb here um, really quickly. And we're going to pull Webb up on the Holy Grail, which is, and actually let's do this by tournament. Uh, which is a way for you to just sort through a bunch of data, hopefully quickly, or at least in a way that um, you can see everything that you want. And, and here's what I see. Webb Simpson at the Century Tournament of Champions lost six and a half strokes off the tee. That is, and I'm going to sort this for you so you can see it, the worst event in my database, Um which goes back to the start of 2015. So like five and a half, six years. And what I notice about this. Uh, so first of all, the likelihood that he, he loses another six and a half strokes off the tee at Wiley. I don't even know if you could, right? I, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that type of course. He'd have to, he'd have to do something really crazy to do that. But look at the courses that he's had trouble with. Uh, Kapalua, his worst three off the tee tournaments in my database are Kapalua last week, and then two years at WGC Mexico. What do these courses have in common? Well, WGC Mexico, that's um, at uh, at Chapultepec, which is at high elevation in Mexico City. You see just absolute bombs off the tee. Kapalua, lots of elevation, very long course. Guys also continue to hit the ball, you know, 350, 400 yards kind of routinely. I'm thinking what's happening is... Webb's lack of distance is getting a bit exposed at some of these courses. Now, yes, obviously he gets the advantage of elevation. He gets the advantage of a rollout just like someone else would, but I don't think he's getting full advantage of it. And I think he's, it's, it's, it's widening the gap for him. I don't have another explanation on why his worst three driving events in my database are very unique, similar ish type courses. Uh, So I would say, uh, throw that out the window. He's not going to he's not going to hit it that poorly off the tee again this week. He gained 5.6 strokes on approach which was fourth or fifth in the field last week. Still finished in a tie for it's for 17th. So if you can finish in 17th and have your worst driving week probably ever or at least in the last half a decade, uh, you are certainly in play for this week after he gets off the tee box. He's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, he's finished, let's see, uh, he finished third here last year. He finished fourth here two years ago. That's my Webb Simpson rant. You're going to hear it a lot this week. I, I just, I just love what he's doing. Uh, and I think he goes out and wins, wins this golf tournament. You know, the easy fade is probably Harris English. Um, you know, uh, I, I drafted him in Pat Mayo's season-long league, so I got off to a nice start there. Didn't make uh, my, my, my core in DraftKings last week. I can't imagine it's going to make it this week, right? He gets a significant price increase. We've seen the hangover from guys that are, um, uh, you know, for winning for the first time in a while. And then look at his results here. I mean, his last four trips to the Sony Open, 22nd, 64th, missed cut 56. Now, he actually did have three consecutive top 10s in the years before that, but now we're talking you know, 2015, 14, 13, we're pretty far back there. Uh, I think this is a fairly easy fade of Harris English. And at this price, he really only burns you if he goes out and wins it again. 
similar thing with Neiman. You know, he gets the big bump to 10,400. The one thing that we've constantly talked about with Joaquin Neiman is, is, is the streakiness. We saw that. We saw him light it up uh, on Saturday and Sunday to get himself into a playoff, come up a little bit short against Harris English. But, you know, now trying to chase that result from a guy who's notoriously streaky, super scary. I'd rather go back to Colin Morikawa, who goes out. I mean, this is incredible stuff here. You know, I can show you... I have a lot of different ways to show you this. Let me think about the best way to do it. Let's just pull up the the live leaderboard here from from last week, and um, you know I'm, I'm just going to circle in on Morikawa. Actually, here's what I'll do. I'm going to do round one strokes gained approach. Morikawa was uh, four, five, six, seventh in the field in round one. In round two, he was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth. In round three. He was third in round four, second to last. Kevin Na, the only guy worse. He was 41st out of a field of 42. That, again, uncharacteristic. I think that a lot of people, as they are assessing this player pool, uh, I think you're going to see guys that chase Joaquin Neiman, that chase maybe maybe Neiman more than English for whatever reason, just because the guy didn't win. Um, I, I think there's, there's going to be a lot of activity on Webb. Morikawa... You know, uh, if you were paying attention to the event, you would say was that was a failure for him. You know, that was uh, an event that he was one of the favorites. Uh, I think I think he had the second shortest odds heading into Sunday. He he shot even par. It was a really bad round for him. There's no way, and we've not seen this from uh, Colin Morikawa in his career, where like he has like two straight events or rounds or whatever where he's not one of the best ball strikers in the world. And he, and he was great for three rounds. Didn't play well on Sunday. I'd be interested to see, and we will see on Wednesday in the live chat, what that ownership is on Morikawa. That, that to me is the most interesting thing. And then the bottom two guys in this 10 K range, they couldn't be any more different, right? Hideki Matsuyama, who I I was tweeting about, um, you know, constantly over the course of, of last week, because uh, he was one of the most popular one and done plays. He was, I had plenty of exposure to him. Look at this. Loses 9.7 strokes putting, um, which is, and let me just sort this so that I can confirm this, um, it's either the worst or one of his worst putting performances ever. Yeah, the only one worse was the 2017 Tour Championship. So we are in really bad uh, situation for, for Hideki. And then to put it even into more perspective, it was one of the worst putting rounds by any player over the last season and a half. So Sung Kang and Mark Leishman, the only two guys who had worse putting weeks uh, since the start of 2020 than Hideki last week. So there's a couple of ways to look at that. There's You can look at it and say, Hideki is uh, notoriously a bad putter, so this is just kind of worse than that. It's not that big of a deal. Or you say he, he's lost, and there's nothing in the next three days he's going to be able to figure out that's going to improve that. I'm just kind of in wait and see mode. I don't know what the answer is. I'll be damned if I'm going to go back to a, a Hideki Matsuyama $10,200 after what I just saw last week. Now, if we if we get on here Wednesday and we see that he's like 4% owned, maybe I think differently about that uh, because you need such a little leverage on him. But my God, it was brutal to watch um, Hideki, zero confidence in, in that game at the moment. Burger's great. He's fine. Actually, I think Burger has a real chance of winning this thing. Um, the guy's just such a consistent, consistent stud. Now, down to the 9K range here. And, and what I'm actually going to do is 
Uh, I think I'll pull up the Holy Grail for, well, actually, before I do that, let me point out, because I, I, I kind of love this range here. It starts with Sung Jm. It goes down to Adam Scott. Ryan Palmer's in here. He might be a bit expensive for me. Um, but but let's go to the live leaderboard from last week and just sort by strokes gain T to green. And you might have missed it. You might you might have just kind of flown under the radar here. Sung Jm is the one who led the Century Tournament of Champions in strokes gained T to green last week. Uh, nine and a half, more than Neiman, more than Thomas, more than everybody. I mean, literally led the field. So you look at what went wrong for him finishing in a tie for fifth, and it's the putter. So he lost three strokes putting. So how likely is it that that Sungjae loses another three strokes putting? So let's pull him up on the Holy Grail and see what type of putter he actually is. Because historically, I bet yeah, he's probably a, uh, a, a slight positive putter here. So let's go by date. And we can see him losing 3.2 at the Century Tournament of Champions. It's something he's done before. You know, he lost four and a half at the Zozo. But what I see here is he bounces back quite often. You know, after he loses 4.7 at Zozo, the next start, he gains 3.2 at the Houston Open. Uh, And you can see he just kind of snaps off 4.4 gained at Sanderson Farms. Kind of a bounce back type player. I would be very interested in Sung JM this week and actually might make my betting card uh, when that all comes together. Because if you lead the field at the Tournament of Champions from tee to green and you lose three strokes putting and normally you're a plus putter, even if it's just barely, that's a, that is a recipe for impending, uh, impending success. Cam Smith gets the you know defending champions bump to ninety six. Ryan Palmer gets the bump um, as a past champion. No, he wants yeah he wants something like twenty ten. I think he wanted, uh, but also played well again last week. Abraham answers probably the guy that I'm most interested in. And and what you're gonna see is, um, of course, we're going more for these accurate. You know, you don't have to be long, be accurate, hit your irons well, uh, be able to catch a hot putter at times. Am I describing guys like Webb Simpson, Abraham Answer, maybe a Kevin Kisner type? The, these are the guys that I'm that I'm focused on this week. And we'll see what his ownership is. I think he might, I think he might catch a lot of steam over the course of the week. Um, you know, he flies up the leaderboard on on Sunday last week. You know, he shoots a, I think it was a seven under sixty, what would that be? Sixty-six. Um Outside of Joaquin Neiman, he had the best round of the day. You know, he had that. He had a great final round, tied with Xander, JT, and Bryson. Abraham Answer flies up the leaderboard. If he can continue that to a place that should be a much, much better fit for him, it's really interesting to see what he what he can do at at Wiley. And then, you know, I mentioned I mentioned Kevin Kisner. He's eighty eight hundred. That's fine. Um, let's go over to the Holy Grail here. And start pumping in some numbers for some for some aggregates because this is where we're to try to start to find a little bit of value here. So let's go with um, let's go since the restart. I love that, right? I love since the restart. Six one twenty twenty is what I usually plug in for the restart here. And let's go by everybody who's in this field. So Sony Open field, and let's go strokes gained approach here and see what we got going on. There he is, Russ Henley. Russ Henley leads this field uh, in the restart in strokes gained approach. He averages one point one two. Uh, strokes gained per round. West Bryan, not nearly as many rounds as second. 
Jerry Kelly, Chris Baker, Doug Gim. Okay, those are small sample size guys. Um, but this is interesting. Henley's won here before, right? I want to say 20... Let me figure this out. Yeah, he won it in 2013. So it was... Uh, and, it, and it makes sense that Wiley's a, a really good a really good fit for him. Let's look Tita Green as well while we're here. You know, Sergio, 8,300 in this range that we're talking about with, with Russell Henley. God, I mean, obviously, I love Sergio's game from T to green. The putting's so poor; um, it, it, it's it's difficult to watch. But we're, I think we might get at some point we're going to get another Sanderson Farms where he gains one stroke putting over the course of the week and wins the thing. Right? That's kind of where we're at with Sergio Garcia. The the problem is there's nothing that's going to foreshadow it. I think we're just going to be guessing. We're going to be firing darts. I took him in a. Um, I don't think it was a best ball format, but I love him in best ball formats because. You never know when it's coming. You're never confident in playing him, but it's going to happen. So if if you think this is the week you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle, Sergio certainly sets up well. I mean, listen to these listen to these tee to green players from the restart. Henley, Sergio Garcia, Colin Morikawa, Hideki Matsuyama. Pretty illustrious list of, of ball strikers, if you ask me. Let's flip over to the fantasy view here because I think this is um, something just to really get into a good habit of. And and right off the bat in this 8K range, uh, Brendan Todd sticks out to me, right? Here's here's Brendan Todd's last three starts. 80 DraftKings points at the RSM, 106 at Mayakoba, 96.5 at the Tournament of Champions. Now, obviously, the Tournament of Champions is, is four guaranteed rounds, but he played well there. He was, I think he was $7,100. He was very low-owned. He, he made my core, um, and he paid off. And he doesn't get that big of a price increase, all things considered, when you look at this at this caliber of field. And, and he's putting up He's putting up fantasy points and kind of a a similar thing with Lonto Griffin here, 8,100, three of his last five starts. He's gone over 92 DraftKings points. He scored 95 here last year. Don't forget this raw scoring, this raw DraftKings scoring is here because there can be big differences, even if guys are finishing at the same spot on, on the leaderboard. You know, now that we're in the the seven K range, um, I want to jump over to the tools, uh, or I'm sorry, to the trends tool. But before I do that, uh, you have to talk about Sebastian Munoz. And I tweeted this out on Sunday evening. He played the first round at Kapalua at two over, and played his final. Uh, th- 54 holes at 18 under par. Think about that. Uh, his aggregate scoring, and I, I showed this at the at the top of the video, right, is uh, th- of the final three rounds, only Joaquin Neiman was better. So now you're getting him at 7,800 bucks. He had a top 10 here two years ago. I think he's going to be popular. I think it's warranted trying to catch him on that on that um, that upswing a little bit, if if you want to say that. All right, let's so let's fire up the trends tool here. See if we can't find some uh, some value. So, a couple different ways I can do this. Let's do fantasy points in twenty twenty. Uh, that's a pretty good way to do this. You start to scroll through some of these names here, and of course, the big names are going to be at the top: Morikawa, Webb Simpson, Hideki, Berger, Sungjae. Russell Henley makes an appearance. He's your first sub 9K guy. And then here's here's an interesting name. Uh, here's a name that I'll probably be talking about a, a bit uh, this week. So it's Cam Davis. He's 7,200 
averaged 64 DraftKings points last year. I think he was actually even better than that in terms of median. Ah, eh, that might not be true. Don't don't quote me on that. I, I tweeted it out a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember. But still, I think he was a top 15 player in terms of uh, value, constantly exceeding uh, value because he's always priced at $7,200. And, and what I saw from him last year, and let me just orient you on the on the cheat sheet here to Cam Davis, is I saw a golfer with a lot of raw talent. And uh, when he got near the lead, when he got into contention a couple times, I think I think he got rattled. And we saw that at Wyndham. I think he was the 36-hole leader. He ejected himself over the course of the weekend. Um, but he contended again, or at least was on the first page of the leaderboard at Sanderson Farms. Tons of raw talent. I think he's going to take a different approach from the rest of these guys. He's not going to try to hit every fairway, turn this into a... I think he's just going to bomb and gouge this thing, right? I think, I think that's the strategy... Cam Davis is going to try to take. And I also think that, you know, we've had now for some of these guys, four, five, six weeks off, we don't kind of, we don't really know what they've been up to, right? And weird things happen after guys are on a long layoff. So kind of this, this first full field event of the year, someone this deep, Cam Davis, really interesting, 7,200. That's probably where I'm going to be allocating my resources at the bottom end of that range. You know, other golfers in this in this 7K range, I'd probably go back to Jason Kokrak. He started out like a banshee at uh, at the Tournament of Champions, fell back over the course of the week. I, I, I was running him through the Holy Grail earlier, and I'm pretty sure he's gained more strokes putting at well, I might as well just pull it up here at tournament at, at Sony than than anybody in this field. Is that right? Let me let me confirm that. Yeah, here you go. So of any golfer who has uh, at least eight rounds, the best putters at the the Sony Open have been Henrik Norlander, Peter Malnati, and Jason Kokrak, and then Matt Kuchar. So there you go. That's that's where where Kokrak's name popped up, um, and and obviously in, in decent form at the moment, winning CJ Cup and and playing well at the end of 2020. Then you go down below 7K here, and uh, obviously as it as it tends to do, things get a little bit wonky down here. Doug Gim is 6900. He's someone that started to catch some momentum towards the end of 2020 and some of those off-field events kind of into the fall schedule. He's someone that I would trust just a little bit. Um, you know, Andrew Landry's down here, probably wouldn't play him all that much. I'm trying to see if there's anybody that does actually interest me here. Um, where's Brian Gay? Oh, here he is. Brian Gay's here. So Brian Gay Man, uh, you want to talk about feast or famine, right? And and it's been a lot of famine, and then the feast at Bermuda to, to catch victory. He's sixty seven hundred dollars this week. Before that Bermuda Championship, I would have said, you know, there's there's probably three or four events a year in which Brian Gay is viable, and it's you know probably RBC Heritage, it's probably Pebble Beach, uh, and it's probably this event. And you know, he finished thirteenth. In 2017, he had another top 25 two years ago. He's had mixed bag kind of in between there, but um, you know, played well enough to win Bermuda. Can obviously catch fire. $6,700. I think he's better than a lot of these other names down here, or at least a viable option. Um, and this would be one of like the three or four places that I would, that I would consider playing him on a on a regular basis without that win at Bermuda. 
Now, before we go, let's fire up a custom model. And, um, you know, I laugh because uh, someone tweeted this at me and I didn't even notice it. You know, last week's custom model that I ran on this show was like the top six golfers. It was, you know, Joaquin Neiman was my top golfer. I think Harris English was fourth. Um, I forget who else was up there. Bryson, JT. There was one other value, I think. But um, I oh, Ryan Palmer was in there. It's just like... I should have just played that lineup. Probably would have won. Probably would have won everything, but I out- outsmarted myself. Um, so let's see for this week. Um, what are we going to do? So, so here's you know, last week we put a lot of emphasis on driving distance, not so much on accuracy. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a, a bit more on on accuracy, which we, we rarely do. So I'm going to do 20 on accuracy, 10 on distance, uh, trying to say, okay, you know, uh, it's great to be long. It's better to be, well, I guess it's better to be long and accurate, but it's good to be accurate. Um, Scoring-wise, par fours. This is a par 70, so you've got a bunch of par fours on this course. I'm going to go with 25 on par fours, and I'm going to go 20 on birdie or better because I want fantasy scores. I want guys that can, you know, if this thing turns into a birdie fest, which it sometimes does, that's where I want to go. And I've got 25 weights remaining, and... I would probably normally put them on T to green, but I don't want to double count driving again. So I'm just going to drop them on. Well, let's do this. Let's do 20 on approach. So I don't get double counted. And let's do five on, on putting and let's run this and, and, and see what happens. Oh boy. Uh, Matthew Neesmith is my number one player. Ooh, mama, that's what happens when you uh, emphasize the, the off the tee, the approach, and, and forget about around the green because you can see how bad he is there. Forget about putting. So uh, I, I want to go back and look at, at that sample size on Matthew Neesmith, but maybe he's a good value play, right? I kicked Joaquin Neiman to the curb last week. Maybe I should be taking this a bit more seriously. Russell Henley and Joaquin Neiman do check in second and third here. Peter Malnati is interesting because what this model does is it's going to weigh recent form a bit more. And Malnati, uh, remember, he had that stretch. I think it was Sanderson and then maybe the the week after that where he played well. I think he had back-to-back top 10s, played pretty well. Doug Gim, there's that James Hahn guy who keeps popping up. Uh, probably more research due on James Hahn this week. Uh, almost kind of every way you filter the data seems to be in the top eight or somewhere like that. And then Harris English uh, kind of rounds out my my first six or seven guys here. So uh, I'm going to take this model a lot more seriously this time around, do some more research on Neesmith, on James Hahn. But I, again, I love using this to to identify some names that I might not have considered. So there you go. DFS preview for this week's Sony Open. Obviously, lots more content to come. You can find it all on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel or the podcast version, which is 300 yards to unknown. Much appreciated for the support. Talk to you guys soon and best of luck this week.